and we have Knight Campbell coming to the stage. Knight, can you hear us okay? I got you loud and clear, Dylan. How, how me? Hey, all good, man. Thanks so much. Appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. It's been great listening in so far. A lot of good speakers. Yeah, a lot of good speakers, a lot of uh, kind of diversity in different industries and all aspects. And um, just to kind of sum things up for people who are tuning in uh, post-lunch afternoon, we've had some really great speakers uh, in a variety of different backgrounds, uh, fuel, energy, products, marketing. Um, and I think what's really cool about Knight and what you've done is build a business that uh, helps all of these industries. And, um, and I'll kind of let you go into explaining what exactly it is you do. But uh, I know everyone here, especially me, have, can learn from you and have learned from you in the past. So let's kind of dive right into it. Tell us a little bit about um, you know, what you're working on these days. Yeah, our, our mission at Karen Leadership Strategies is really to get more business leaders outdoors for a lot of different reasons. Maybe the most important one in this context for people here is because we want them to create a relationship uh, with outdoors, with outdoor adventure, and with the planet. We, we, your first speaker put it really well that you know people, businesses need to play a big part in this. They have the, the power, the wealth, uh, and you know they can do things much more quickly, but they're not going to do it unless they get paid for it. And people don't do things unless they care about them. And so if we don't have people outside experiencing the outdoors like we can talk about it all day but people won't make that change so i think a lot of people here probably already know that and probably get outdoors but other people aren't hearing that message yeah exactly yeah. and uh you bring up a good point that carl mentioned earlier i think he said one company made more emissions than 47 countries combined which is crazy but on the plus side he said you know leaders in that company wanted to make a change and hopefully reduce that carbon emission and so at Cairn Leadership, like what you guys do is you help those leaders see the value in that. Is that correct? Yeah, it's, it's all about leadership development. So we use the outdoors and adventure together in community as a vehicle, a catalyst, a container uh, to get leaders out into a real situation that maybe isn't, you know, it's not going to affect their PNL uh, if they make the wrong decision, if they don't communicate correctly. Uh, but they get a chance to practice all those things and learn about them. But all of our trips, we start out with what we call a sense of place. And so people get to connect with, we teach a lot of natural history, which is really fun to learn about the Sierra Nevada and where they came from and why they're still growing. That the, the granite is actually floating because it's less dense than the rock around it, which is crazy to, me, to think about. Uh, we teach those natural history kind of tidbits, get people excited, let them cognitively know the place. And then we just spend time in silence and it sounds a little woo woo, but think about executive presence. Uh, leaders need to be present, need to listen uh, on a you know hearing level, but also seeing the, the cues, the body language, the tones and the emotions in their people's communication. And that's what it's all about. You're just doing it with Joshua Tree or Catalina uh, instead of your team. But if you can develop that skill of listening deeply, it's incredibly important for an executive to be able to do that. So people get the chance to know a place a little bit cognitively. They get they form that relationship uh, by listening to a place. And then we always talk about leave no trace, which uh, very fundamentally, you know, there's seven principles, pick up trash, things like that. But it transfers to business. Like, how do you eliminate waste as a business? How do you respect others? How do you respect the environment, the ecosystems? How do you play into it? So it's really fun to 
take what seems like a simple kind of exercise of noticing what's around you and talking about leave no trace and applying that to your business. Yeah, I mean, when you're in a boardroom all day in an office, it's kind of easy to be like, no, all that matters is our profits at the end of the day. Who cares about the environment if we're making our shareholders money? Then when you break out of that and you're out in nature, it's a lot easier to really see like, oh yeah, we do have an impact on this. Um, how did Karen leadership strategies originate? Like where did the idea for this business come from and where, what's your background that got this company going? Yeah, so a lot of people ask that question. It's one of those things that kind of slowly built up, I think over, over years, like my wife and I decided to climb the high point of every state. And that's where we really started to get out into the wilderness and see, you know, I grew up in the woods. I grew up running around playing with fake swords and, and cutting down all my enemies with, you know, whatever my, my magic sword. Um, and, and I love the wilderness, but that really got me back into, you know, four days, five days, 10 days out in the wilderness and seeing how profoundly it impacted me. It was a big thing. But then I was teaching leadership at the Naval Academy. It was one of my tours. I was a helicopter pilot for the Navy for, for 10 years before getting out and starting this business. And, you know, I tried everything I could do to really teach deeply these concepts of leadership to my students because they're going out and they're, they're going to lead Marines and sailors probably in combat, especially at the time that I was teaching. And I know I try to be creative. I do all kinds of different lesson plans. And it was pretty good. And people still were falling asleep. And then the Mountaineering Club at the Naval Academy asked, hey, we need an officer to come with us to go climb Mount Washington uh, on a winter climb. It's like our yearly kind of thing. And I was like, of course, that sounds amazing. And we went and did it. We started with like 80 people, finished with about 10. Uh, everybody made it. They just turned around early because it was 80 mile an hour winds, negative 100 degrees of wind chill, complete whiteout conditions. And we talked about leading your team, taking care of people, communicating effectively when you couldn't hear anything, figuring out what the vision is and where you're going. It just naturally came up. And I saw these midshipmen learn more about leadership in that 10 hours than they learned about, you know, in, in a whole semester with me. And I was like, I think that's really where it crystallized that this is a place that can help people get closer to who they want to be, you know, realize their maximum potential personally, but also professionally, we should be teaching leadership concepts through these uh, experiences, these adventures, because it's fun, frankly, and more effective. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge believer when it comes to like learning a new skill. You know, obviously you want to take classes and be in a classroom and, you know, read. But if you can just go and get your hands dirty and be there in the moment, like at the end of the day, I think that's the best way to learn. So I can only imagine, you know, you're teaching, teaching these leadership strategies in extreme conditions that you basically have to learn really quick how to, you know, get someone's attention and get people to work together and get people to do these things. Um, so that when, you know, you're back in the office or you're working on a project, it probably is a lot easier, you know, after working on these things together. Um, what are like, can you share any kind of really fun, cool, interesting stories of you being out there with a company or with a team and you kind of witnessing firsthand these leaders, you know, building these skills right before your eyes? Yeah. So one, I'll give you two examples. One uh, that I love, we go to Catalina and we hike across to the backside of the island and it's, it's a hard hike, honestly. Like I get pretty tired on it and I'm, I do this a lot and it's beautiful though. You go over the spine of the island for like three miles. You're just looking at these panoramic views of ocean to the east and west. 
Uh, and it's just a, a gorgeous hike. But then when we get there, there's another lower, easier hike on the way back that we could take. And typically, if we have eight leaders out there with us, you know, two of them say, I 100% want to take the same route back. It was gorgeous. It was life changing. I want to be on that, do that. I want to have that challenge. And at least two of them say, no way, we did that. There's an easier route that we just learned about. I want to do that. Like, we should do that. Don't want to do the hard route again. And so we take all of those. All, all the research, all of the latest articles and some tools around decision-making, give them to the group in a quick, succinct presentation and then let them make the decision. And it's so fun to watch people. You, you kind of nudge them and say, hey, use that tool. Like, what about that tool you said you're going to use? And they get to practice it real time. What I really like about what we do, though, uh, is this, it's this container for people to realize things. The, being outdoors makes us 50% more creative. 50% more creative. That's crazy. And that's, that's a research study of science. It's not just my intuition, which I agree with. Um, but people unlock different things that they didn't know they knew. Uh, they unlock potentials. They decide to go, you know, start their new business to take the next step in their career uh, because they go rock climbing once. And I think about one of the CEOs who was with us uh, was thinking about a couple of different options for next move, whether she's going to sell her business or stay in it, whether she's going to take this new job. And in rock climbing, you really have to trust your feet. And for anyone who's rock climbing, you can't just like rely on the hands. And so there's this moment where she had to let go of her hands and just fully weight one foot and then transition all of her weight to the other foot to be able to reach the next hole. And it clicked for her like, oh, this is what I want to do. Like now I know I have to let go. I have to fully commit to this new course of action that I really truly want. And we watched her, you know, in the course of a, a five minute rock climb, make that decision, go forward and be happy with that decision. So that's a great example of how that can just catalyze the process of, you know, six months of agonizing over a decision. That's super cool, man. You're getting like my creative juices flowing right now. Just yeah. even thinking about that. And I mean, you know, a lot of people here are leaders, bosses, they run their own company. And, you know, a lot of time we're, we're answering emails, we're inside. And I'm sure we've all been at a point where like, you're just so focused in on this little thing that you're working on that we've all, you know, taken a break and gone for a walk outside in that little five minutes of fresh air, like, oh man, like sparks all these ideas. Then you combine that with like, you know, going on a weekend trip and kind of getting out of your little bubble and just traveling like that also kind of opens that up. So I can only imagine just being outside on like this, this trip plus surrounded by like encouraging you to be creative and think about how to be a leader. I, I can only imagine how many like breakthroughs you have. Um, man, it sounds like something that like I definitely want to try. What are uh, like one thing that, you know, kind of researching about you and, and learning about you is you've done a lot of training with how to teach leaders. Um, what are some tips that you could share for people here today about how to be a better leader, you know, for their team moving forward? Ooh. So, yeah, you started, you got me thinking about training. <laughs> Uh, and then you're like leaders. Yeah. Uh, and that's a yeah. very open-ended question. Cause you're like, this is all I do all the time. So I, a couple of general, it. like basic tips that you could share would be really helpful. Yeah. So uh, we're thinking a lot about listening right now. I'm reading Stephen Covey's book, seven habits of highly effective people. Most people have probably heard of or read that. Um, but that idea of, of listening deeply and communicating, you know, we are talking about communication and, 
closed loop communication. So thinking about, you know, we, there are things, I'd say communication and decision-making are the two that are coming to mind right now that we just assume that we do well, you know, and no one, if, if you're in a leadership position, people typically aren't going to take you aside and say, Hey, your decisions are terrible. You're not like thinking through the data. You're not thinking critically. You're just going with your gut and then backfilling with your, with, with some evidence that supports what you want to do or nobody knows what they need to do. Their communication isn't clear. It's not, you know, robust enough. Um, so I think being able to identify like, Hey, maybe I'm not that good. And then having that open communication, making people feel comfortable telling you, or just telling yourself, like sometimes you can just, I'm going to be a fly on the wall in this meeting and see if I talk for 80% of the meeting, that's probably a cue that you're, you're not listening very well. Or if people have ideas and they're shut down immediately in, in my meeting, I'm probably not actually listening to what they're saying. So I think asking questions and listening are two of the biggest tips I give all leaders, including myself. And it's hard. I, I mess this up. My team would tell you I mess it up a lot and I apologize for messing it up a lot. So what I, I agree. And like, I, I find myself doing the same thing, especially when you're in, you know, a leadership position, it's easy for you to just be like, well, I'm the boss. I got here. I, what I've done so far has worked. So I guess what I'm doing moving forward is going to be right too. And really ideally, you know, in a, in a position of power as a boss, you want to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you and better than you at their specific thing. So really you're just kind of like letting people do um, their, their best skills. Do you have any sort of just general tips of, you know, things that we could do to listen a little bit better or communicate a little bit better? Yeah. In terms of listening uh, it's interesting. Nothing's black and white in leadership. And that's one of the things I love about, teaching and developing leaders. It's not, there's no right answer. So you think, you know, empathic listening is the highest level of listening. Uh, and that looks like starting to paraphrase and repeat back what people are saying, well, we're all taught with active listening, but then repeating back feelings, repeating back, you know, just telling someone, I hear that you feel frustrated with this period, no advice, no, here's what you should do. Just, I hear that. I understand that can be really powerful. And in other situations, it's not appropriate. You know, if, if I'm flying my helicopter and it's going down, I don't need to talk about feelings. I need to talk about which lever needs to be pulled and which engine needs to be shut off and how people are going to prepare to get out of the helicopter when it hits the water. Uh, and so I'm not going to be listening as much. I'm going to be listening for key words. So I guess to answer the question succinctly, you know, understand when you should listen deeply and then make the time to do that and understand when you know, you're not going to have time to listen deeply and have processes put in place. So in a helicopter, for example, if someone yells power, I'm hardwired to pull in power. Like I'm not going to talk about feelings or listen deeply or ask why I'm going to pull in power because they see something I don't and we're about to have a bad day if I don't pull power. So having those keywords, those key communications that, Hey, no matter what, here's the prescribed reaction. You're going to do that. And then we can talk about it. Uh, is really important. And then knowing when to shift to, okay, I'm going to take, I, I can tell that Knight is upset about something. And instead of saying, oh, I will talk about it later. Or, okay. Got it. Like I, I get your upset, just get over it. Taking the half hour to really listen and say, okay, I, I can, I can feel that you are feeling upset about this. Tell me more, ask those questions. What's going on. That's so crazy because like you're just bringing back memories of where I've worked with other leaders and bosses who 
were so bad at listening and so bad at communication that even though I liked working for that company or liked working with that product or service, just their poor management skills in that exact thing, listening and communicating was so bad that I'd end up leaving that organization. And what's also crazy is literally yesterday I was talking with my team about that exact thing of when, um, like how to communicate in times of crisis, specifically uh, in like airplanes. Cause I know that's a very big um, part of like training when you learn how to fly planes and helicopters is, you know, people in subordinate uh, positions need to know how to effectively communicate to their leaders without, you know, kind of like, oh, we have to like, can we do this? It's like, no, we have to do this right now. It's yeah. extremely important, which is really cool um, to learn kind of those different dynamics. And it's very, subtle little ways that you communicate certain things that have a huge impact and make a huge difference. So that's really cool. I wish, uh, I wish we had more time. Cause like, I'm sure you have so much information and can share so many cool little things about like communicating. And, and that's really why we're doing all of this right here is, you know, communicating with our audience, our attendees and sharing information. Um, so I think it's really powerful and important to share this information too. Um, when it comes to like a company that wants to work with you, what's kind of the process that you go through of setting up a trip? Like, do you have different destinations, different kind of uh, leadership trainings that you go through? Yeah, it's, it's all customized. You know, we, we typically when someone starts to work with us, we do a bunch of stakeholder interviews. So we get a real good sense of where the team is, what, you know, from the bottom up the team wants to work on. And sometimes it's cohesive and everybody's like, we need more tolerance for ambiguity. We don't know what to do with that. And sometimes the bottom says one thing, you know, like we don't understand what the mission is. And the top is like, oh, they know what the mission is. And you're like, okay, well, maybe that's what we work on. Uh, but we work all over the U.S. at this point. We're, we're going to Virginia next month, uh, Tennessee, and coming back here for Catalina and Joshua Tree. And uh, with enough notice, you know, with six months notice, we can work just about anywhere. We can get a permit. So we just, we customize to exactly what the team looks is looking for from the bottom up, uh, talk with the leaders, refine the message, refine a couple lessons. So it might be communication and decision-making. Uh, one we have coming up will be systems thinking and core values. So thinking, using map and compass skills uh, to talk about ambiguity, to talk about core values, finding true north and using it, really doing it out in Shenandoah. Uh, so yeah, it's all pretty customized. Yeah, that's awesome. And like, congratulations on you know, taking your skills that you learned in the military, which I mean, right there is, you know, probably the best way to learn, you know, how to be a, an effective leader and then translating that into a successful business outside of that, uh, but still training people and doing it in like a fun, exciting way. I'm sure, you know, it's a lot of work getting out there on these trips, but again, I've been on, you know, three, four, five day trips where kind of what you mentioned, like you have these breakthroughs that you never would have had had you just stayed home or stayed in the office or stayed in your town. So I'm sure you've seen some really cool things. Like in your experience, what is one trip that you've gone on that really stands out as, you know, we went on an awesome adventure and these, you know, these leaders really took something away from this. Oh, I mean, we always, we always joke, you know, are we going to get bad people one day, but, and we haven't, you know, everybody who selects into what we do is typically an amazing person. So I would say all of them are different and all of them are amazing. We just spent an entire weekend in the rain in the Olympics and everybody came out smiling. That's, that's incredible. You know, I mean, that's, that's not common. People are not 
smiling after a weekend in the rain. But one that stands out, you know, we attempted to climb Mount Baker in Washington two years ago, uh, and it just rained on us the whole time. And it's, it was a lot of work. We, just to get to base camp was like 4,000 feet of climbing, uh, heavy packs, mountaineering gear, all this stuff. And people had come and we had done a lot of training in San Diego. And then we had to make the decision to go or not. And it wasn't just a, we might be uncomfortable. Like if you go up to 10,000 feet and it's raining and then it turns into snow and everybody's soaking wet, like that's a serious uh, safety issue in terms of hypothermia and everything. And uh, doing that decision, like going through that in a real visceral way, because people really wanted to go to that top of the mountain uh, and there were real safety concerns and having that, such a real uh, opportunity to train, you know, a lot of training out there is pretty good, but it's a little contrived. It's like case studies and what would you do? And it's like, what will you do? Are we going to go or are we not? You know, we're thinking about risks like driving home uh, afterwards. Like if we get up at 11 a.m. and start and climb all day and get down at 3 p.m., then people are unsafe because they're driving home. So it was fun to watch that. I think people unfortunately didn't get to summit at that time. Maybe next time. A lot of mountain climbing is not summiting, unfortunately. It's, it's more about the journey. Mm -hmm. uh, but watching people grapple with that and figure it out was really cool for me. Yeah, I think, you know, as we get older, and maybe this is just more personal, but like I love being outdoors, but at the same time, you know, when you're running your own company, you get busier and busier. It's hard to really set that time aside to unwind and disconnect and, you know, turn off your phone and your email because you're like, I can't miss, you know, four days of work. That's crazy. But then at the end of the day, like I can think back on weekend trips that I took, you know, with friends or family years ago that still had some of the most powerful and impactful times of my life where then you think back on like a weekend where I decided to stay in and you know nothing really happened so that's super cool and you know one thing is no one is ever a perfect leader you know there's you can always be honing in on um some sort of skill and honestly i'm sure you probably see this but like we're probably not as good as leaders you know as we think we are like there's so many skills that we could learn and and adapt um and continue to grow as we kind of wrap things up uh what's sort of one piece of advice that you could share with, you know, our audience to just be a little bit more, you know, mindful of the environment, being more outside and just being a better leader in general. Yeah, definitely. We talked a lot about weekend adventures. I'd love for people to come out with us, obviously, but you don't have to, like it, it takes half an hour a day to make really dramatic gains. Your blood pressure decreases, stress markers decrease, uh, white blood cell count goes up for 30 days after one weekend outside. So there's some really crazy science about health and benefits. Uh, your short-term memory increases by 20% just from a walk outside. And, you know, I talked to executives a lot and they said, well, that sounds nice. And I wish I could go outside, but I just can't. And I'm like smacking my head because there's a beautiful park right next to their office building. It's like, why don't you just you know, if you have a meeting with your COO, walk out there. That's fine. Like no one says you'll have a better conversation. You'll both get some vitamin D. You'll be more refreshed, more innovative. Uh, so, you know, just 20, 30 minutes of walking with the dog in the morning, taking the kid for a walk in the morning, evening, sunset, sunrise is a great time. It kind of happens, you know, every day. So you can say, well, every day at sunset, I'm going to take a little walk. Um, you know, it's, There's a study out there that's, that's pretty well cited that's uh, mortality rate goes down 12% if, if people live near a park. 
So like housing projects, like bad places to live, if they have green near them, people have a lower mortality rate. That's crazy. And we're just leaving that on the table because we think we're too busy or, or don't have the time to get off our phones and get outside. So that's my piece of advice. Just get outside, create a relationship with it. If it's crazy mountaineering and, and rock climbing, that's awesome. If it's just walking around, I just walked down the road with my daughter yesterday and we looked at all the different flowers in people's yards and it was amazing. She loved it. So get outside. I mean, like you said, 50% more creative, you know, by getting outside 12% mortality rate down living, you know, by a park, those, those numbers, you know, make sense. And I think, uh, what you, what you mentioned, like, oh, it sounds kind of woo woo, but really it's not like at the end of the day, you know, you have the background and the experience that proves that it's not. And then in addition to that, you know, it helps grow your business all going back to what we talked about before, like the personal sustainability of just that mental health, physical health, career health balance. Um, I think what you're doing is amazing. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people here, you know, you kind of got their ears perked up of maybe this isn't something that we're implementing into our business enough because, you know, just from this conversation, we can see that it helps. How can people uh, connect with you and reach out if they're interested in learning more about care, uh, care and leadership strategies? Yeah, LinkedIn is a great place. Just Knight Campbell, uh, LinkedIn, search me there. You shoot me an email at night at karenleadership.com, C-A-I-R-N leadership.com, or check out our website. Uh, we, we at least have a lot of cool pictures. I don't know about the rest, but they're fun pictures to look at, karenleadership.com. Knight, thank you so much. Like, again, we're just scratching the surface. I, you know, we got to have you back on at our next event. Um, and just to, you know, I want to learn more about your, your background at the Naval Academy, your experience as a helicopter pilot and, and how this all led into, you know, the, the, um, the company. And hopefully soon I'll be on one of these, these leadership uh, trips as well, because they sound awesome. So thank you very much. Um, everyone check out Knight's website. We'll be sharing all that information as well.